you're listening to Reba Radio, the podcast. From 18th to the 26th of November 2021, our annual inclusion festival took the form of a dedicated radio station broadcast live from the bookshop at the Reba's HQ in London, with me, Marsha Ramroop, the Director of Inclusion at the RIBA, hosting the discussions. Reba Radio, the podcast, is the speech-only content from that radio station, themed and edited for your easy consumption. We suggest you make your way systematically through all episodes from the intro to the end to help you effectively on your inclusion journey. We hope you enjoy it and find it useful and applicable. Well, learning lessons about going international. Uh, as I entered the world of architecture less than a year ago, I've, I've learned so much about the profession, education, qualifications. And as I approach how we can improve the profession from an inclusion perspective, I was struck by how differently some international architects can be treated. And I really wanted to dive into this, what we can do as a profession, you know, to, and what we can do about it. And to discuss this, I'm joined by Dr. Timothy Onyanobi, Deba Salam, Aslina Bulma and Bing Sheng. And I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourselves, say in the world you've called called home, uh, what do you think is the perception of international architects in the UK? If I can start with you, Deba. Oh gosh, you're starting with me. Okay, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a challenging one. I mean, okay, I'm Deba Salam. I'm the principal and founder of Studio DS. We are an international practice. Um, and we have offices in Dubai and Bangkok. Um, something that I'm looking at at your top 10, uh, you know, poster behind you, you know, unconscious bias is something that we, we have to all accept that we do have, you know, that in us. And uh, the the perception of international architects is, you know, being from Britain and from the UK and having a very strong education uh, system here and uh, an architecture culture and system in education that thinks we're very superior to others and you know that that exists you know let's let's open up that discussion and uh, I think that was uh, probably the most challenging thing I had to overcome and accept that what are the key values that are important to our practice what are the key values in design the outcome may be different but everyone needs to be treated with respect and uh, and acknowledge that let's understand the education systems in in those various countries that we are practicing in. Thank you. Ben, um, what, if you can introduce yourself, say where in the world you've called home and, and what do you think is the perception of international architects here in the UK? Sure. It's such a pleasure to be here today. And uh, I'm, I'm Ben Shen. I'm partner of PLP Architecture. I'm originally from China, but I've been here for more than 20 years I was uh, brought up and educated to China, uh, in China, and uh, I also spend a substantial amount of time here. I always compare these two cultures. I think uh, each culture has brought me to be the me I am today, and I benefit hugely from both cultures. There are some conflicts, but uh, I, I think uh, the world is going to be become a more and more mixture in the coming future. Because I believe the globally we are working towards a more AI, smart, green technology future. 
this is not just for any single country. This is not for the Western world or Eastern world. It's for the whole Earth. Mm. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Timothy Onyenobi, uh, if I can ask you, introduce yourself. Where in the world have you called home? And what do you think is the perception of international architects in the UK? Um, my name is Timothy Onyenobi. Um, I'm the director in my practice, a small practice in Manchester, AA Architecture. I'm originally from Nigeria. Um, I will say that currently, with regards to the perception of international architects, I think to be perceived, you need to be acknowledged that you exist in the first place in terms of being present, you know, because as it stands, the situation of international architects, it seems not to be at the forefront of uh, the drive for, for, for diversity. So I'll just stop at that for now. Thank you. And um, can I call you Tim? Timothy? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> um, and uh, Azalina, if I can I'll give that question to you as well, a bit of an introduction. Where in the world have you called home? And uh, what is what do you think is a perception of international architects in the UK? Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Aslina Bulma. I'm the Director of International. Uh, I am originally from Malaysia. I came to this country some nearly 30 years ago to study, go to school here. Um, and, uh, but Malaysia is very much still home for me, uh, although I'm from a mixed background. Um, I've, I've been privileged uh, to have met so many fantastic architects all over the world and also international architects in the UK. Um, and in my personal view, international architects in the UK are still not recognised at the same level as UK architects. And there's still a lot more we need to do from our IBA as the institute to promote that. Uh, it's all about equity in the profession that we really need to promote quite significantly. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to leave it there as we go into further conversation. Yeah, and if I could bring Bin in on that, actually, around, you know, that perception uh, of architects uh, not being quite the same. Um, are you, you're trained as an architect, yes, are you? Yes, I'm trained uh, And as an are you recognised as one in this country? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, I came here quite early in year 2000. Then I wanted to, uh, to get onto the ARB but that needs to go through a certain series of recognition as well as past exams. And uh, it there has been some conflict with my, I need to get on with life. So I have been putting those plans on the side. Um, so even till today, I'm still not uh, uh, recognized as uh, ARB uh, architect in UK. Yeah, and no, this is this is a, a a problem, really, isn't it, Diva? What what are your views on that? It is a problem because, uh, and I think the ARB and the REBA have got together to try and make this easier. I mean, certainly when we were trying to encourage our architects in Dubai and Bangkok to get qualified, um, it was challenging, and it was a learning experience for me myself. I mean, I had experience with the European architects uh, pre Brexit trying to get uh, uh, qualified under ARB and it was it was more simplified and and that in itself is well okay because they're European countries and 
But it's a it's something that actually we don't realise what a toll that actually takes on people when they have taken so much time, effort, money to invest in being an architect and then not to be able to be called an architect. I mean, I can say I've got a similar experience where I can go to Thailand and because I'm not from an ASEAN country that I can't actually call myself an architect there. And you say, well, I have to do an exam, but then I have to learn Thai, the language to become, to do that exam. So it's it's challenging on both sides and uh, and it's it's recognizing that on the international front and I know as Lena does fantastic work you know being a uh, a committee member uh, I think we only last year I, I stopped um this is a very important agenda for the REBA to get the schools to be more aligned and to get more engagement and to basically acknowledge that I mean I personally feel that the architects from uh, especially the Asian countries are more rounded. Now, we talk about how architects these days, you know, you, you, you in the past you could say, well, I, I can model really well and, you know, I can design really well. You know, I've always been an all-rounded architect and I've always, you know, put science, you know, science and art is together. That is architecture. And I feel the Asian architects in particular are very, very strong on the engineering, the science side. And actually, when you're doing more work, when you're trying to look at more environmentally responsive designs, they're actually more successful than actually our British architects, which is something that we as a as a, an institute need to look at in the education system here. So it's uh, it requires work on both sides, but it's uh, I can I can imagine the the toll on the mental health and well being on a lot of architects and, and I've personally had to give a lot of support to the architects that I've encouraged and mentored to just hang in there and and, and pursue it's worth it at the end. Deba was making this point about how, you know, there's a real process there which can affect people as they try to navigate it and get their qualifications recognised in this country. What is that process and, and why is it currently that way? Uh, yeah, that there is a process and Deba has also uh, made a very good point. It does work both sides of the equation as well. Um, architecture is a highly regulated profession and therefore there needs to be a process uh, to make sure those that are admitted as architects uh, meet the relevant professional standards and it is ARB that is responsible for that process. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I, I think it is about maintaining professional standards, but it's about accessibility is where we come to the problem. Um, it's that automatic assumption that anyone that doesn't have a particular set of studies are not eligible to become our uh, ARP, registered with ARP, is becoming the more and more apparent a problem. However, if we, as Deva alluded, if you were to go to another country in another part of the world, same process may actually appear with those sets of different regulations. We take... Um, we take Thailand or Malaysia, for example, in a UK architect going to Malaysia cannot simply call themselves an architect and practice there either. They would need to do local examination. So it is a much wider issue in the global market. Uh, and it is about breaking down that barrier and about RIBA. For me, anyway, RIBA is a global professional organisation. We have 50,000 members um, and 7,000 of them are based outside the United Kingdom. And what we can do at RIBA is to promote our members 
and that design excellence and that standards, no matter where they are in the world or, or where they are from. And it's about starting to move into that direction, recognizing that as an RIBA chartered member, you know, they are at the top of that game and talking them as a global member instead of being from Thailand or they're from Malaysia, it's Ariba members in uh, London or where I'm from, York. So it's about breaking down that barriers and talking about architects um, as the profession, as the professional operating at global level. Because the, the problem we have in terms of regulations is it does differ from one country to another and that will take a very long time to break down. Is there, there was a point made in the previous hour, uh, Ren, we were talking about decolonisation and, and Neil Shasso uh, was making the point that um, is the RIBA in danger of imposing its idea of what standards should be uh, rather than recognising local standards as being equally good or indeed excellent? Uh, I would... I would say no. I think, you know, certainly from an international point of view, we don't do that at all. Uh, when we work overseas, we work in partnership with others. And that is actually critical from my point of view. You know, I come from Malaysia. I get colonialism. I get all that. Uh, and it is all about working in collaboration. We are not there to take over. Far from it. We have an office in UAE. We have an office in Shanghai. We're not there to take over. We work in partnership with local organizations, governments. Uh, and what we do is to support them. And I think critically as well, we are learning as well from our partners overseas, which makes us a better organization. So from an international point of view, we're certainly not imposing. We are working with them and learning. And that is absolutely critical for us. And Tim, you recognise that sort of being in this country, that there's benefits from, you know, getting together with other international architects like yourself. Tell me about some, some of the work that you're doing uh, with Nigerian architects. Thank you very much. Um, in two, 2019, I think, yeah, it dawned on me that um, the there were so many Nigerian trained or let me put it this way, international architecture graduates from Nigeria and the UK, and they were finding it extremely difficult to join the profession. So looking at my own experience, when I joined the profession, I joined it through the ARB. They are the ones responsible for admitting architects, uh, registering architects from with international backgrounds. Um, when I joined the ARB, I took the exams. I took the exams uh, a, a total, before I, I finally got through, I took it a total of seven times in combination. That's the part one, part two, and part three, you know. But then in the process, I realized something, that when I took the exam and failed initially, and when I took the exam and passed eventually, the difference between the two was my understanding of the questions not my intelligence, not my skill level, but my understanding of the questions. So with that, I decided to co collaborate with the Nigerian Institute of Architects in order to see how we can bring this group of people who are struggling to join the profession, but here in the UK, how we can bring them together. And in that process, I had to um, 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 organize a sort of survey amongst this group. I did a report 
And the survey gave 27 suggestions on what could be done to make things a lot easier. I passed on this report to the RIBA, and the, this report was further shared with the ARB. As a result, there are current discussions going on with regards to that. However, this group of people, we later on came together and we formed uh, a, a Nigerian Institute of Architects UK sector here in the United Kingdom because there were quite a number of people, a lot of people who were in this position who, though they are intelligent, they, they are graduates of architecture, but they are finding it extremely difficult to join the profession. And just as I feel, a lot of them are failing on a repeated basis. Mm. And yeah, so what I now did after uh, bringing everybody together was to decide to discuss with the ARB. I also sent this report I prepared to the ARB. And um, we are now in conversation regarding the exam pro process because I think the bottleneck here is the way the exams are structured, which thankfully is being looked into. You can imagine an examination with 44 questions requirements. And those 44 questions have three sub questions. So a total of 176 questions. And then you have to get each and every one of them correct and look at the process of getting them correct. The process is that the question might appear objective, but the, 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 the approval process in terms of whether you've complied with that requirement is very subjective. So from my, for, for example, I also met some of the examiners, you know, and I discussed with them. And it was quite obvious that an examiner might pass an individual based on their perception of them having fulfilled certain criteria, while a different examiner might fail that particular individual. It's, it's, it's sort of subjective, that's what I'm trying to say. So thankfully, ARB is looking into that. So I think that's why I mentioned initially with regards to the international graduates being not in the focus. Why I'm saying that is, Thankfully, they are, the, the, the focus is now, the light is, spotlight is now being shined on them. Because in the past, when diversity is being spoken of, it's usually referred to UK trained graduates. While there are so many international architecture graduates out there, not able to go through the ARB and Bin, you probably recognise, I suppose, some of what uh, Tim is saying there. But in terms of, you know, you thinking about how you practice in this country, is it still something that's playing on your mind, um, your own uh, status? Um, from my own personal experience, uh, I feel I'm quite lucky. I joined uh, the uh, PLP firm and we are international firm. We have 39 different nationalities in the office. Um, so there are a lot of people in my office having this problem. They have been in this uh, design practice for probably more than 20 years. They're still not recognized. They are from Japan, from America, and... Uh, um, so it, it's not recognized, then it's just not recognized. It doesn't stop them doing brilliant and creative work, not at all. Um, so that's, uh, uh, we kind of accepted this uh, as, as it is, and then life goes on. 
I mean, DB, you, you were saying earlier that actually for some people it feels like life doesn't go on because they're kind of stuck in this cycle of, of wanting to be recognised and maybe just trying to navigate the system. In a, you know, when you look at uh, young architects coming out of university with a huge amount of debt, um, that's already a burden on their, on their shoulders, on their mind. And then you couple that with uh, uh, trying to get into practices, get on site, get experience. And I think this is where the challenges are for a lot of young architects is getting that experience, getting that recognition and, you know, having those ticks next to your name that I am a, you know, an ARB architect, I can be a principal designer, I can be a project architect. These are, these are hurdles that, you know, stop you from being able to continue with your life to get a, you know, but doing a course of seven years. I remember as a, as a young architect, just watching all my other friends buying houses and cars and whatnot. And then, you know, me still sitting there with my, you know, little portfolios. And I've got to go for a crit now, you know, and, and my life was just very, it was staggered differently. And so for architects, that that's a reality. That is part of, you know, the seven year course. And, you know, that's, you know, we talk about, salary pay you know that's obviously a problem especially when it's such an expensive uh, course so when you start to add these layers of challenges and then on top of it to to be told that actually you're not some people you know it's not that you're not good enough to be an architect it's the process it is challenging and sometimes language and the nuances of language are are a, are a hurdle which needs to be acknowledged and i think you know from what uh, tim was saying it's it is being acknowledged but uh, I think uh, I think for a lot of younger architects, it is more of a, an issue because you could say that time has allowed you to just overcome it and, and the success and having a, a practice like PLP, which recognise the, the value of diversity, being an international practice. Um, but you can understand a lot of younger architects are, are looking at it in a different way. And, and you know, with the mental health being a, a key issue, I think this is something that I'm particularly concerned about with the younger architects. Is it your sense that um, this is like the overriding concern of international architects? I think it's a, a, an accumulative effect of many things happening in your journey of becoming an architect, which uh, culminates in, you know, something that we don't pay enough attention to, and that is the mental health. Um, I mean, I know with the Black Lives Matter movement last year, just, you know, as an architect, a woman of colour, a Muslim woman of colour, born and raised in London, but, you know, you, it was a time of reflection and, and realising that actually it's been exhausting. And acknowledging that it's it was really sad to see a lot of young people having to come out and just, you know, almost cry on the streets, just screaming out their frustration that, you know, could we have done more? And I think this is where, you know, Reba Radio talking about these issues, it's, it's fantastic to give it a platform because we need to discuss it. And it's just putting that spotlight that actually there's a lot of, pressure on young architects right now um and not just young architects you know architects of my age which are not that young <laughs> um, you say, uh, <laughs> and my twin sister would be like we're young we're young <laughs> don't say that um but uh you know it, it, it is exhausting and, it, and it's re recognizing that you know there are a lot of challenges on the road to becoming an architect and and not getting qualified not being recognized and, and asking yourself, why is, am I not being recognised? Is it that whole colonial thing that, oh, my culture is, is less superior than this culture? And, you know, there's many things that tick around the head and, and, and it's, it's understanding that, recognising that and, and uh, being mindful of that. But, you know, as I say, it happens in other countries as well. And I think I'm probably less sensitive to that because I'm like, well, it happens. 
you know. But if you're coming in down here and this is, you know, you're young and impressionable, then it is an issue. Recognition, definitely a word for you, isn't it, Ben? Yes, that's right. And in our office, uh, we we actually encourage uh, young architects to get qualified. We support them and trying to help them. We, we do find it's, it is a problem. People coming in at the same time entering the company, but one is from a different region and couldn't get qualified. Another one can get it smoothly within three years. So it's, it's kind of not fair. Um, as a company, uh, of course, we would do all we can to support the, the, the young people to achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah. To be recognized is so important. Mm. It's so important. Um, Aslina, um, you know, there are a lot of um, international, you know, students coming over or those who've done RIBA accredited courses elsewhere. Um, but then they come here maybe, but their qualification may still not be recognised automatically. Is that something that, that might be changed or is there any work being done on that? Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, so if a student comes into the UK and I've studied RIB part one, part two outside United Kingdom, they're still subject to the same conditions that so they don't automatically recognise part one and part two here. Uh, but yes, our education team uh, led by Jenny uh, uh, is looking into this, among other things, but is also still working with ARP, ensuring that we bring the right changes because it is, as we've all alluded, it is about the regulations here um, that we need to change uh, and there's some work currently being looked at uh, thanks to Timothy who started the work with his report that's currently being discussed between ARP and um, RIBA. So there are changes coming but we, I think it's really important that we picked up on this mental health and young people because it does have such significant impact on them. It is so hard, particularly post-pandemic and during COVID. It's been so tricky. It's one of the most difficult. I mean, I read law. It's nothing compared to architecture as I am now discovering. Um, and it's so much that we are expecting young people to uh, pick up and if they do want to work here or, or be recognised and I think that's what it comes down to just to be recognised um, it's really an important thing that we do need to focus on and there are other ways that I think RIBA uh, could and we should always be able to do more we can always do more um, through we do such great work with our Futures Architects Network so I really implore those young people who are not already part of that network be part of that so you have your peer-to-peer -peer, uh, support reach out to us because that's what we're here to do to support um, architects from all over the world, whatever the background is and whatever stages they are. It is really about talking these difficult things that we can make that change. Tim, when you are working in this country as someone who um, uh, originated from somewhere else and you're coming and trying to practice a professional in this country, what would you like to see other practices um, do to try to be more opening, more welcoming, more recognise international architects more? Um, what do you want the profession to do? Well, um, when it comes to other practices, you know, um, I think it's, it's best to employ people based on their skill levels 
you know. So the thing is, international architects once they go through the ARB, definitely they can be uh, they can be classed as architects, and then uh, practices could uh, 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 take them on, you know. But taking going back to the mental well-being aspect, which I wanted to say something about. When it comes to the, 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 the process of studying architecture, especially in the UK and mental well-being, I think it cuts across uh it cuts across demographics, it cuts across uh, it affects everybody, you know. That's why I started what I call mental well-being cafe to see how um to help out architecture students in terms of mental well-being. But then the, the 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 challenges faced by international graduates is you know quite different is when you are not able to get registered it affects their mentality so what i normally tell them because they come to me often as i'm speaking with you i'm i'm, I'm mentoring quite a few when they fail they keep on coming to me what i advise them is this just to keep their mental well-being centered i advise them look if you fail your exam once try it again you fail it the second time, try it again. Fail it the third time, try it again. Just keep making necessary adjustments. Don't give up until you get it because a lot of them almost give up. In fact, two people told me that if not for the meetings we had in my office or in, in the restaurant, they would have given up, you know. So with regards to that, that's what I, I'm advising them. Though that shouldn't be the norm, but until the changes come, you know, kicks in and then um, things become quite fairer because there's, I expect the UK system to, to expect equivalence before admitting, you know, the quality should be should be maintained, but it's just a process of uh, assessment. That's what, you know, that's what's being worked on now. That's what I think uh, needs uh, attention. So, yeah. This idea of equivalence, Diva, I mean, is that something that you think is, is happening? Um, it's... Uh, you know, being uh, you know only because I've been part of the international committee, the Reba International Committee, I can see that there is work being done about this. And uh, what I can say as a as a practitioner, as a business owner, you know, I I, I did get to a point where, you know, in, uh, when the IPCC report came out on the importance of how we had to target 1.5 degrees for global temperatures, I realised that actually I need to. We were approaching our five, fifth year in practice and I said, I, I actually want to have more scientists. I want p people with more engineering background. And what that actually meant was I was, I was, I was exposed to a lot more architects of that kind of uh, qualification internationally than I was with UK-based architects. And given the fact that, you know, in the A-levels, we, you know, we do physics, we do maths, we do art, you know, and then we just it doesn't really get picked up on on the education system. You know, the, 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 the qualification, the intelligence, the potential is there. And uh, I think with the Asian architects, and that's why I raised the Asian architects and Middle Eastern, they almost are trained as engineers. They're very, very practical. They can do the mechanical, the structural, the, the, all the uh, scientific parts of, you know, the, the job where other architects are, well, I don't want to do that, you know. But they can do that. And they see it as part of their job. And I think there's, uh, for me, I, you know, I realise that actually I want to spend more time with my architects in, in Bangkok. I want to spend more time with my architects in Dubai. And actually the pandemic has allowed me to do that because we're all on Zoom now. Um, so there was no discrimination about, you know, how much time I'm spending with X, Y and Z. Um, 
but so I think I think the the reason why I raised earlier the importance of understanding how to design to environmental standards and to science based targets is that sense of qualification and the equivalence is is going to start leveling up and actually if anything in our country in good old blighty we we need to up the standards on inputting a little bit more science and uh, and engineering in our architecture courses Bin, where would you say you know the the profession needs to go you know what do you want to see from it now in terms of the way that it treats uh, it's it's architects from from uh, other countries. Oh, um, I think uh, to be recognised, uh, there are two levels. One is a uh, students level. One is uh, uh, people who has already practised as architect for a long time, um, but uh, in a different country. And f- from students level, if you come into UK, wants to be recognised by the ARB, and it has to follow the British rules, then. And then I, I think that that's that's it's a rule. Then if you want to get it, you follow the rule. And uh, if you are qualified, uh, for example, if you're qualified outside uh, EU, outside UK, outside EU, I mean, and want to be recognised here, then I think that's a government level trade uh, condition. And uh, I've been joined several DIT um, uh, talks. And it's a trade condition between two countries come to agreement to be recognized on both levels. It's not um, a Chinese architect to become recognized here in UK. It's also UK architects that has to be recognized in China. It has to be fair on both sides. Aslina, if I could give you the final word um, to briefly summarise where you think, you know, the the RIBA uh, can go in terms of supporting international architects. Um, I think we are doing uh, some good work, but I think we can do much more uh, with the support of our international uh, members uh, based in the UK and elsewhere. Um, certainly, we do great thing on Features Architect. We, could, we work very closely with the public po- uh, public policy team at RIBA, working with UKDIT, being mentioned that as well. And it's about the uh, trade agreement. There's so much to do there as well to influence government in the UK. Um, and also, actually, uh, our education team, who validates nearly 50 uh, courses outside United Kingdom, and that's, you know, that's a huge number of future architects of the world here uh, that we can influence and support. Uh, and also through our members already in country, there's so much we can do together because let's face it, the more diverse the profession is, the better design we're going to see globally that's going to address the whole issue that we're all facing, climate change, diversity and equity. Um, so if we focus on that, I'm quite sure that we will be on the right track but we need to work very closely with our members wherever they are in the world you're listening to reba radio real inclusive brilliant action